0: So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now, let's get to the show. So, there's a lot of stuff shaking out in the world. And I know I, I'm preaching to the choir. Everybody knows that. And then things happen, some of them good, like, hey, ya yeah, rah, rah, you know, Marriage Equality Act. It finally made it through, and then other things happen like a mass shooting in another LGBTQ space that's supposed to be safe. And then you hear people going, "Well, you did this, and then you did this And the finger pointing starts happening and da 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 da. And sometimes we get what we need to get, and other times we're not getting anywhere. And then there's times where you're chatting with a former guest via the internet, as many of us are prone to do, like, "Hey, how you doing? saw you post that? really cool. And she said something really powerful. That spawned the concept for this, this little podcast, having conversations, one conversation at a time. And I love Kelly Wolf being back. She's an author friend of mine. She's written a book, that just that's what she was on here for the last time. But because she has such great insight, she's an ally. She has a transgender daughter in her life and she happens to reside in Colorado Springs Colorado where the latest one of the latest strategies just happened I felt it was a great way to go into the new year going what can we do when we're not sure where anything's going so Kelly my friend welcome back Rick
1: thank you I could not wait to have this conversation with you. And you're right. You know, we were sort of riding this wave of emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, this just happened, you know, right. in three quarters through November. And we're in shock still and grief and yep. fear and anger. But I'm beginning to see glimpses of hope, too. And mm-hmm. so that was the the reason for you and I to begin talk- talking and just, you know, you very um um, carefully and casually asked me, how are you doing over there? Cause this is my, my town. Right. And, um, and so I appreciate that. And th- I've been asking everybody I know in the LGBTQ plus community, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Are you getting the support you need? Are you working through what your feelings, because it doesn't matter if you lived here or not, it affected, affect all of us. Yes. And, you know, it's not unlike the pulse massacre in 2016 where we lost 49 people, Uh, that hit everybody in the world almost. So uh, I appreciate you asking how we're doing. And I appreciate um, our conversation that came from it, because um, I feel like we have to be realistic and ready about how to approach our lives now after this attack. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you asked me. And let's dive in.
0: Well, yeah, let's truly like, like there is so much going on, you know, it's just the good happens. And I I hate to even say good and bad, you know, it's like, we ride a high and then we go into a low and then we ride, you know, and you know, I I thought about Michelle Obama, you know, when they go low, we go high. I've been thinking that a lot lately, you know, and there's even been some highs around the marriage equality act, you know, passing and being signed off on, And then as I was sharing with you right before we came on the air, it's like, and then there's all those Twitterati people who think they have a better opinion of, well, nice that he's done that, but what about the freaking inflation? I'm like, okay, everything's important. You know, it's all important, folks.
1: It's not a competition. You can care about more than one thing at a time.
0: Exactly. And I think that's the thing is we are becoming, I hate to even use the P word polarized, but yeah. It's almost like the polarization is beyond polarization at this point. It's like, no, no, what I care about is what matters. And what you care about hmm, doesn't matter one
1: iota. I know.
0: And it I makes know. it very hard to have difficult, you know, the, the conversations that we need to have, which is really what you and I shared through that little interaction via the internet and the Instagram, or I don't even remember, I think it was Instagram or somewhere. We started this whole thing. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. How do you have these conversations when you really want to just like punch somebody in the face sometimes?
1: yeah Yeah. and so i think one of the i I think there's a battle happening here on two fronts one is that confrontation accountability fighting to be heard you know today as a matter of fact i'm reading the article right in front of me so i'm not doing this by heart but the house oversight committee's hearing on the rise of anti anti anti-lgbtq plus extremism and violence in the united states Met today, and two of the survivors from Club Q were speaking in front of this committee today, mm. and 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 in, in in an effort to make a difference from their small little experience. Well, it wasn't small, but okay. they feel small in the bigness of it. Is that this is all a result of anti-LGBTQ lit, um, rhetoric, and yep. so um, holding politicians accountable, Mm -hmm. elected leaders, when they speak out about fear and hate, there's a direct cause of harm to the community. And so uh, I love that these two victims have come forward and just spoke about this today. And I think Mm -hmm. that's one side of the battlefield, right, is to uh, confront and hold accountable politicians for their use of language because they are absolutely grooming mass shooters with this kind of rhetoric and they're pandering of course to a specific set of voters and you know it's easy to point to uh religion and the sort of root cause of all that but i think the second front that you mentioned and we discussed um quietly between us was that having a single soft conversation, you know, one heart at a time that creates some new understanding. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, my daughter is transgender, married to transgender. Um, so I love my daughter and son-in-law bingo in a bar a couple of years ago. And, uh, this very inebriated man came in, sat next to me and across from them and very, uh, (laughs) casually began to ask them about like, okay, what's, what's, what's the story with you two? Are you together? Are you in a relationship? And then because of his uh, compromised um, mental capacity by drinking too much, he began to ask them inappropriate questions about their sex life and their, uh, are you, were you born? Did like, and so the mother in me, it was yep, all yep. like, no, you did not go there, mm-hmm. right? So I was ready to go. This is inappropriate. Please remove yourself from, from this conversation. But before I could pull the mother card, my daughter began to slowly, very carefully, with boundaries and love and soft language begin to answer his questions and she wasn't going to allow him to go places she wasn't comfortable with but she was like yes and yes and yeah this she wasn't talking about sex but she was talking about just the nature of it and you could see all of the edges soften around this person he ended up buying buying them drinks and saying they were cool and then he left and it was so Christ-like, in my opinion, the way that she handled this, because my instinct was to fight and attack. And her instinct was to be soft and to educate and to change one heart. And I think that's the second battlefront here is that, yeah, we're going to have to hold people accountable and confront the rhetoric, but we also need to change one heart at a time. And I think that happened right in front of me at this bar playing bingo. And so hope lies, I think, on the battlefield of both politics and one changed heart at a time. And this community can absolutely do both. We're impatient. We want it all to happen right now. We all want to feel safe. Um, But we actually have the ability to, to do both things at the same time. And that's what I'm beginning to see. I really feel it.
0: I feel it too. And um right after everything happened, it was it was a it was a big lump in my throat. It's like, here we go again. We're doing this all yeah. over again. Now it wasn't just because it was the queer community. I mean, let's just admit what's going on. Every day there's mass shootings now in this freaking country of ours, which right. is ridiculous in and of itself. Right. But then when your lovely congresswoman from Colorado I know. Sent her lovely thought and prayers. I, I literally said, fuck you, fuck you, because you have been up against this the whole time. Now, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, and it, so here's the irony of this. All of this is happening as I'm going through training in a course called positive intelligence.
1: Look and at it you. hit me
0: and it hit me really hard. It's like, OK, Rick, you you can go to fuck you really quickly. Right. And I thought, okay, let's, let's grab my little training here. Like if, if I was going to go, okay, well, what does the other side of the coin look like? It's like, well, the first thing is you empathize. And I'm like, I can't empathize with her. I cannot, I cannot. I'm like, yes, you can. You can go, well, it's unfortunate that she's not as educated and open-minded as she could be so that she could see things differently. Mm-hmm. And then I there's this whole thing where you empathize, you explore, you try to come up with innovative ways to think about things differently so that you can navigate better and activate through all this. I have to say, I'm really glad that I've been going through this because guess what? The, what? the big guy or gal upstairs or the big universe has definitely been like, okay, let's see what you're made of, boy. It's challenge Rick. (laughs) It's challenge Rick time. And, you know, I'd already had a challenge in my own family. And then this, you know, this stuff starts happening. And it goes, you know, like a lot of queer people in the country. I'm like, great. Roe v. Wade gets overturned. They're coming for us. They're coming for us. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to be here? And then, you know, things start to turn a little bit. But to that point today, uh, as we're recording this, even though we're recording this, let's just be honest, we're recording this in December. You guys aren't going to hear this until now in January. But Today is the anniversary of Sandy Hook.
1: Oh, wow. I didn't know that.
0: Yes. So one of the things I saw today in this, I don't know, Twitter or somewhere was somebody who very poignantly posted, this is the anniversary of something that we thought was only going to happen once. Mm. And that's all they said. And it set shivers up my spine because it made me realize What a powerful conversation that was when that's all they said. Yeah. Because now it's in the hands of a lot of ways to think through that. What if we didn't, what if this wasn't now the normal day in, day out?
1: Mm -hmm. Did anybody
0: could have, you know, it's kind of like nine 11, who would have thought clear back then that anything like that could have happened. Right.
1: Right. Right. And I think
0: this is where the change the heart and yet confront and hold people accountable too. Yeah. Is where we get, I know as a, as a gay guy, because I'm, I'm in defense mode, still am at times. It's very hard sometimes to go, okay, let's just, let's just confront and hold you accountable. And if I have to, I'm going to kick the crap out of you.
1: I know. But then you've situations where Pete. Right. Yep. yep. Who is the highest ranking openly gay man in the Biden administration. You know, he told CBS News he believes that the political rhetoric is providing fuel for this violence. And for him to say that is super powerful. But to your point about my own uh, politician here in Colorado, who um, is embarrassingly spreading that rhetoric. He said, there's always been relationship between the social and political demonization of a group and that group's vulnerability to being physically attacked. I don't want to hear your thoughts and prayers from somebody who has been actively singling out this group. That's powerful. And so... um, as defeated as sometimes it feels that um, things aren't happening fast enough, you've got someone like him that high up who has that strong of a voice that could easily be running for president. Right. Um, actually, speaking the words that we want to say, mm-hmm. um, that gives me hope. Absolutely, but, and I
0: think that's the thing: is if we can stay, if we can allow ourselves and invite ourselves. Starting with ourselves, and I'm talking to myself right now, yeah. into that space of standing there in the space of hope and letting hope drive us forward, letting us believe in what we're being called to. And again, I'm not perfect at this. I'm not saying I am. I'm the first to admit I'm a complete screw up when it comes to this stuff. But the more I've gone through this recently, the more I realize, which I will share now, because I had a stroke back in December. And I'm not gonna say, and it changed my life. I mean, of course, it changed my freaking life. It made me think about things differently. But I as I laid in that hospital room waiting on okay, well, what's next? What's next? What's next? I thought, you know what? All this getting ticked off at you know, politicians and this isn't happening, and da da, da. One of the first things they said is, So how's your stress level? I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> you just you just bullshitted your way out of that one, man. But it it does get you thinking about okay. If I don't allow myself to get riled up, if I do stand in, let's let's confront and hold people accountable without the I'm gonna you know all that. How much healthier would we be as a person, and how much healthier will we be as a humanity
1: right. when
0: we take the time to like let's breathe into this simmer down a little bit and start to lean in. And I think that's really what both of you and I are kind of getting at is if we can learn to lean in and go, okay, I hear you. doesn't mean I have to agree with you. Right. I hear you, but where can we try to have civil conversation and common ground, which we may not, there may not be common ground, you know?
1: Well, I think you speak to a really important Part of this is that if we're sitting from a place that hate speech turns into hate action, we can't be guilty of the same now, can we? And so I, I think that is as long as we vilify a group of people (laughs) and it turns into hate speech, we're never going to become, um, a humanity that can see each other's point of view. And so, um, that's the part where we have to hold ourselves accountable is right. because it's easy to do the exact same thing in reverse and not be part of any kind of solution. And so mm-hmm. we had a, uh, I go to an affirming church and um, it's, it's an amazing uh, safe space for all LGBTQ And we um, got together as a church for kind of a coffee talk and a memorial Um, kind of uh, service for the people that lost their lives in the Club Q shooting. And it was really interesting to me that um, some people from the community were there who do not attend the church, which I thought was admirable. And they began to talk in a way that really surprised me. They began to say, you know what, this isn't just about um, political rhetoric and the victimization of, of, of people. It's also about seeing those who are outside of the fences who are beginning to fall apart and break. In other words, the shooters, the ones who are potentially vulnerable to this speech and to this kind of hate action. And I was so struck by the courage and empathy that it took from this member of the community to say, you know, this isn't just about the pendulum swing between the two sides. This is about the vulnerable people who feel isolated and alone and threatened and are vulnerable to being manipulated. We got to keep an eye on everybody in the village, not just the two groups, the one with power and the one who's fighting for it. It's we got to keep an eye on the the, the quiet ones who could potentially be manipulated. And I was so struck by the grace of that statement um, yeah. and the truth of it, mm-hmm. because the people who perpetrate these kinds of crimes, they're broken. There's something mm-hmm. wrong. And and us as a community, not LGBTQ+, but as a humanity have missed the signals and the signs of that vulnerable person. And so... It's interesting to me that in the midst of all of the candlelight services and all of the tears and the anger and the call to action, that there's also this quiet voice for people who are vulnerable to being manipulated into doing something like this. And so I I was really struck by that. And so I'm I'm held accountable too, Rick. I don't want to be accused of hate speech. I don't want to have such blinders on that all I see is one perspective and one solution, and so I'm learning. You know, I'm going to be 57 next month. I'm learning too, and the older I get, the more complicated the whole thing is. But you know, the pioneers of uh, this movement started a hundred years ago, maybe f- further back, trying to secure safety for this community, and we're not done. And you and I may not see. The uh, end of the rainbow uh, situation, you know, I never thought we'd be in a country where rights would be taken from you, I thought we would always be moving in a place of progression and expansion of rights and safety. So for us to take steps back in any form is just shocking to me so we I'll be a pioneer I'll keep going. And, and maybe the next generation or the one after will have that end of the rainbow safety. That's what I'm hopeful of, but I'm I'm
0: hopeful of that too. And I've always maintained Kelly from the moment that I started this work, which I never, I never intended to be doing this work. I mean, holy moly, when I came out at 36 years old in 1999, I'm like, let just, okay, can I just get through the divorce and get on my path and, you know, get through this. And right. then when I felt the calling to start doing this, not like it was some divine calling, but I do feel like it was. I feel like, hey, I was being called to something bigger than myself. I started realizing that, you know what? The greatest gift I could ever be given in my lifetime is to never have to do any more coming out coaching ever, ever, ever again. Yeah. yeah. That to me would be absolutely... People talk about your legacy. I'm like, my, fav- my my best legacy would be to able to say... I was part of creating a culture where coming out never exists again yeah. that yeah. I would feel really great about, but it's interesting that you brought up this vulnerability piece. Cause I've been thinking a lot about it, especially since lovely little messed up Kyle Rittenhouse seems to be, you know, rising in stardom through all his stuff too.
1: Yeah. I'm sure the Netflix documentary or movie adaptation will yeah. be in yeah. place in 12 it, months. It, yeah,
0: exactly. But as I've thought through that, I'm like, not that I'm defending him per se, but when we give rise to it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Are we really surprised that this stuff continues to happen? Because now we're saying you can do this and get away with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, yes,
0: Colorado Springs, obviously that's not happening. You know, mm-hmm. Orlando, that didn't necessarily happen. But every day there are things that are happening that's like, well, okay, you do this and you can get away with it. You can you know slaughter 20 kids in Texas and, okay, well, the sheriff finally or whatever, police chief or whatever finally gets you know let go. Right. Well, every time something like that happens, yes, I'm going to lean into a little bit of the mental health stuff here.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's because we allow, quote, we, not you and I per se, but mm-hmm. we allow as a society to say, oh, well, see, if you do this, nothing really bad happens to you, so to speak. And so the, it gets perpetuated. And then suddenly comments from anybody about anything, even like I said, talking about marriage equality and not getting the inflation under control, you can make those weird connections and like, well, anybody can say anything. And we, you know, those of us that are in the certain space that we are, are like, well, we know where some of this started from when 45 was able to say whatever he wanted to say and right, nothing happened. But I also right. feel like that's also where we learn and grow. I feel like I'm very much more conscious of what I say. I still fuck up. I'm not gonna say I don't.
1: Well, welcome to the human race, Rick.
0: Well, I know, but I'm tired of being human. I want to be perfect. (laughs) I want to be popular, you know, just like in Wicked. I want to be really popular because I'm perfect. Um, Well, I think. Suck. I I can't imagine like being perfect and like you never really you don't. Oh, everything is just. I don't know. I don't.
1: I don't know, it sounds boring, Rick. It
0: does but I I
1: think media plays a big piece of this too when you've got a a community who are saying that you know he's doing God's work, right? And knowing that he is being applauded by an entire group of 45ers, -hmm. and so I media feeds this and Twitter and all of the social media. So it's almost outside of control. Like we can't Mm -hmm. control how that's going to manifest itself. But I do think there's a responsibility from the media and from humanity that probably is never going to happen. I think we're too clickbaity at this point. Very
0: clickbaity. Yeah. And so
1: if you have a vulnerable person who's susceptible to uh, suggestion and manipulation and you're going to dangle popularity and notoriety at a Netflix special, uh, it's not going to take much convincing for him to take some Mm -hmm. action that is drastic. So it's a formula for disaster. And so, again, I think that it starts you know, with the stopping of rhetoric, you know, yep. we we know for sure that when um, that bill passed in Florida, you know, the "Don't Say Gay" bill, the right. amount of attacks that happened after that increased by four hundred percent, especially to the transgender community. Yep. So we just, I it it does start with political change um or at least holding people accountable and I, I do appreciate Pete Buttigieg for for speaking up directly well I
0: do too and he's so he's so eloquent and I, I, I every day I'm like okay I want to be like Pete I want to be I, I want to be able to he's so articulate yeah, uh, and he, he all, is. he's just amazing <clears throat> which is interesting because so I'm not I'm quickly becoming not a big fan of using Twitter for anything, but I I will like kind of scroll through and see what's being said. And so today I decided I was going to post something. I was really proud of my post until, you know, this afternoon I went back and looked and I'm like, nope, Ricky should have stopped right there. (laughs) And my post, <laughs> and then to your point about media and all this sort of stuff, because I do believe this plays in. And I'm not saying I'm like a huge influencer, but I've got a pretty good following with my podcast. So there's yep. people, you know, I'm not, you know, I, it's kind of weird. Sometimes i like, I guess I'm kind of known. So I can't really hide, right? <laughs> if they decide yeah. to be like, who's some of the gays we got to get rid of? Well, you know, it's pretty like, hello, I'm here. You yeah. can't miss me, right? But here's what I posted. And I'm like, okay, here's where I should also draw the line. I said, instead of attacking POTUS, on the marriage equality act mm-hmm. i invite you to ask how would you feel if your marriage wasn't protected under the law i'm waiting i'm waiting for your answer because you see if they could take roe versus way um wade away they can take oberfell versus hodges away or any other personal rights okay that's yeah. where i should have stopped but no my little inner black diva had to say so stfu shut the fuck up <laughs>
1: You know, I do love your honoree side. I have to admit that I do. And you're right. I never thought abortion would be recalled. I never, ever saw that coming. And so that's when I knew we were in trouble as a country and culture for sure. But
0: yeah, I'm curious for you though, because you, you stand in an interesting space, kind of like, well, as parents, we all stand in interesting spaces, but here you are, you're an ally, you're a mother of, you know, two transgender, beautiful people in your life. What scares you the most right now?
1: Somebody hitting him in the back of the head with a brick Mm -hmm. and they don't even see it coming. I mean, both of them have been in club Q, Um, and so, yeah, that's my biggest fear and they're not as scared as I am. I can't quite understand that piece and i'm grateful for it because i certainly wouldn't want them to live in fear that's exactly what you know the community that supports uh this kind of action would hope is that they are in fear and go back into hiding uh, they don't live that way and i respect that but as a mom that's exactly what I fear all the time, and you probably, you and I both. Just because of the work that we do, I get anonymous messages from people. I, I haven't been, my life has not been threatened yet, but it's definitely pushback and definitely antagonistic, and so you know those are intimidating. But you know, I don't, I don't play. I just yeah. take a picture and uh, block them, and I don't hear from them again. But. I, I worry about, um, the community. I will say that the young in the community seem to have a courage that is supernatural. I feel like yep. they are loud and proud and ready to, um, battle on all fronts. And that makes me very, very proud. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. Cause I was talking to, um, <clears throat> Scott Gatz who runs, um, well, he's the founder of like, uh, let me think of them my, my brain slows down at this time of night but um he does queer cities he's done um lgbtq um gay cities queerity, lgbtq nation he's the guy behind all this so he's nice. been on the podcast a couple of times and the most recent one actually he was just on this one and we were having this conversation which was pre-election so we we're kind of marching up to it and i said you know I'm on the fence about going to a retreat that my company's holding because I am I want to take a stand and not go travel through some of these states where all this stuff is going down. He goes, right. Rick, I get you. I hear you, right? And he goes, and I had a very similar conversation with another gal at a conference just recently. He goes, but she said something that made a lot of sense. He goes, everyone us has to do what works for us. She goes, no, I show up and she's she's like my age, you know, my 50s. She goes, No, I show up and I let them see my queer self. Yeah. Because what are they gonna do? What could they do? The worst they could do is like they're gonna take me out somehow. But if I hide, they've won. And that That's really right. had a huge impact on me. Cause I was like, you know, and it's so ironic now. That I'm sitting here and going, okay, of course, I'm going to this thing because my big pushback was I will not go to a state if my potential rights as a gay man and my marriage are put on the line because I was anticipating, as I think many of us were like, as soon as this election cycle happened, this SCOTUS gets a hold of, you know, following Dinkeldorf Thomas around some more. They could put this back on the line, right? And I would I would I would have refused to travel to any state where it would be questionable if something happened to me that my husband couldn't come in the hospital. He couldn't come get. No, 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 no. That wouldn't happen now. Luckily, we don't have to worry about that. Right. But I really took to heart what Scott said. And to your point about your own kids and the courage, they do have an undying courage, it seems like. nope. We're going to make this happen. And especially Gen Z's with the way they've approached politics recently, like we're going yeah. to get out. We're going to make this happen now. Yes. The margins were tied a lot of places. Yeah. I can't wait to see what happens in the next couple of years. If a certain party continues to piss people off. Yeah. I think we're going to see a, a true, <laughs> a true wave the next go around. Cause they're going to say we're done. We are so done with this. Right. Provided that, you know, we can help energize them and keep them in the right direction, which means we have to stay energized in our own world and have these kind of conversations where, okay, how can I hear you? How can I see you? How can I try to understand you? Yeah. And if we still can't meet, then, then we gave it a shot.
1: Yeah. Right. What's,
0: what's a challenge for you in your own circles? Because. I, you and I are, I'm okay. You're young. You're a young one compared to me. You're only two years old, but
1: <laughs> you're a young one.
0: And I have found it easier to like step into the realm of, okay, stop, pause, think. But there's just, admire. which is really hard to do. But one of the things that I've learned is the best way that I come back to some of these people is, well, that's interesting because it gives me time to like take a breath. That's good. And decide whether I'm even going to engage. Well, that's interesting or that's an interesting perspective. And um, I actually said to somebody the other day, that's an interesting perspective and one that I don't really feel compelled to try to have a conversation with you about. So I encourage you to go have your belief system and I'm going to go continue to have my belief system.
1: Yeah. And I think boundaries, I I think we have really good instincts about who can participate in a conversation in a Mm -hmm. healthy, respectful way, and who is absolutely not worth our time that we're going to be wasting our breath on this. And I think this community has really good instincts about that. I, I heard over and over and over again, during all the candlelight vigils and services that were taking place in the Springs is that we must not succumb to fear. Mm -hmm. And as much as there was mourning and, um, you know, sort of the sense of shock about it, that was the overall message. And when that message was spoken, there was an audible, hell yeah, kind of attitude mm-hmm. about it. So I do have hope about it. You're absolutely right. And I think humanizing this community, I and mean, because this really isn't about, uh, you know, know lifestyles or beliefs or political issues this is a human rights issue and i think if we can ultimately land in the place of everybody understands human rights and everybody understands the need for them if we can stop dehumanizing groups of people especially this particular groups of people and speak from a place of this is basic human rights and embrace the humanity of everyone. I I think there's hope there. I think there's courage and I think there's hope. But I think you can't have either without a good dose of fear and anger first. And so I'm hoping that wave is uh, crashing and new ones are building behind it that um, might create change. I am hopeful today because of uh, Biden and his actions and the protections that he's put in place. Um, but we have work to do. And, uh, well, I think think that's the important
0: thing to remember is we still have work to do. It would be so easy to just, okay, this is done. I know. And also knowing to pick your battles, like I'm trying to remember the, um, it just was in the news. It wasn't, it's like very similar to the take, you know, the bakery in Colorado, but the other one that just came out right. about the wedding invitations or whatever that <clears throat> I'm like, okay, first of all, and I love my community. I'm never going to say I don't love my community. And I realize that some people live in very small communities that maybe mm-hmm. their only option is something to like go participate at a florist or something. But I don't think our community, some are, are purposely going out. Let's antagonize. Let's try to make this church marry us. Let's I make agree. this baker, you know, and if you are is that the really the battle we need to be fighting?
1: Yeah.
0: You know. Now, if suddenly you walk in and you didn't know that that was their view and then okay, that's a whole different thing, but I think this newest case has kind of come up that this wasn't really even an issue until somebody said, "Well, let's make this an issue now." Right. I think that's part of where we lose the ability. I was going to use the word battle, but I don't I don't want to use battle. I'm trying to eliminate that from my vocabulary too.
1: You're working so hard. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I know.
0: But we lose our ability to go, okay, can we have a conversation without the trigger? Yeah. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, and from my from my mission and purpose, um, you had mentioned my book from the beginning, and uh, basically it's a fiction book, and the right. purpose of it is it's a love letter to the LGBT community who have felt mm-hmm. uh, rejected and um, gatekept from religion mm-hmm. and faith and a relationship with God, and so my fiction book sort of leans into that, where it's a conversation mm-hmm. literally with Jesus and a young gay man. And Jesus says, I actually don't have a problem with your identity or your sexuality. I just want a relationship with you. And uh, the church has got it wrong. And so that's a bold message. Um, It's not as um, aggressive as a political sign carrying sort of statement. It's a quiet storytelling version of healing. Um, But in my world, because I, I, I'm, i am crazy about Jesus. I am loyal to him. I am not in love with the church, um, or the choices they've made. Although there's good people there. I, I, I have good friends there, but I would argue that, um, that is the root and foundation of most of the hate and harm that has been done is based solely on the idea that LGBTQ plus people can't have access to the throne or shouldn't. And so I'm doing my little part um, to sort of heal the roots and hope that it bare leaves someday. Um, but that's a I, that's a lonely message out here in my faith community, and um, and I've been disappointed a lot by people who couldn't even consider softening their belief system to include all of humanity, not just. The married white ones.
0: So, and I know you and I could go off on that really quickly. I know, I know. I mean, I was raised fundamental Seventh Day Adventist, and I have learned, you know. And my ex-wife's parents were Church of Christ, and I've been in um, around lots of different faiths. Yeah. One of the things that I have found is when, well, first of all, when your faith is we're the only one that's going to quote get to the big pie in the sky. And if I don't do what I need to do through my works to get to the pie in the sky, then that's where all this stuff stems from. And I have argued it with my own family. I have argued it with friends who are good Christians, especially the ones who are like, oh, we love you. We think you're great. You and your husband. And I know they're out there voting against all this stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. The hypocrisy doesn't float. Right. But there's this piece of, but this is what's going to get me my little chip to heaven. This is what's going to get me... And, and when that has become the cultified mindset, which again, we, this is where much of this is coming from. It's a cultified right. mindset, right? They basically lose track of what is truth and values. And, and I think we are truly witnessing that in this day and age, like truth, moral yeah. values are out, out the door right now. And yeah. that's why we're up against it. And and unfortunately marginalized communities Not just LGBTQ, but, you know, Mm -hmm. people of color and, you know, it's just, and it's, I always find it interesting too, that it's not just happening here in the U S folks. Okay. Yes. We live here. We're doing it. But when I talk to other people across the globe, they're like, no, it's happening here. And, you know, some places it's very extreme. I went to, let's just take a round. That's just like out of freaking control right now. But yeah. So I don't know. I know we'd like to solve all the problems in the world, (laughs) but you mean we're not well we're working at it we're trying we're doing our best but um
1: i know and i think if everybody does something you Mm know um not everybody can be pete right not everybody can hold that kind of power and have that kind of voice and enact real political change but if we all do our little part and it might be it might be on Twitter. It might mm-hmm. be one bingo drunk guy conversation at a time. Um, it it might be um, prayer. I I know that it's um, mocked in some ways the idea of thoughts and prayers. I do believe in the power of prayer, yep. um, but I I think it if it could be yielded <laughs> for humanity's. Uh, Sake, I think that would be in everybody's best interest. So if everybody did their little part uh, as a whole, I think it, it will make a difference. Um, and I'm hoping that l- this latest tragic thing that happened way too close to my home and to my family mm-hmm. wakes some people up who have been sitting quietly in the middle watching the volley going back and forth. And so, uh, yeah, if we all do a little bit, it adds up. I know you are. I'm proud and of. I you. know you
0: are too. I know yeah, you are too. You so, thank
1: you.
0: Well, thank you once again for a very amazing conversation and
1: thank you and sharing your own it.
0: personal story around this. And I know we won't. We won't. This isn't the last time we're going to talk. I
1: mean, I don't think so either.
0: We'll have more <laughs> conversations. And quite honestly, you know, anybody who would like to reach out to Kelly, please reach out. Why don't you shout out your website? And then your the name of your book is Mount Hope. And um, yep.
1: It's Mount Hope. You can find it on Amazon. I have a website, kellywolf.com. It's K-E-L-L-I-E-W-O-O-L-F.com. And um, yeah, find me. I would love to be a part of a healing conversation and to, and understand perspectives that are um, new and fresh, ones that I hadn't considered before. But yeah, I want to be part of the solution. I, knew you, I know you do too, Rick.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Kelly. And all of you listening, I hope you took something away from this to power into 2023, hold yourself in the highest regard, confront and hold others accountable and try to change one heart at a time. So we will be back in another week with another episode of Life Uncloseted. And until then, be well, be strong, dump your excuses, face your fears and go live your unapologetic life. Take care, everybody. Hey, hey, Life Uncloseted family, another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted here's what it does it helps other people find the show it helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change life in fact if you really want to change a life we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think so that's it love you all deeply i'm rick clemens the host of life uncloseted and never stop stepping out stepping up and stepping in to living your life uncloseted